bitch. Welcome to Sports Talk Kids, episode four. We got the Super Bowl in two weeks, and so much more. This is going to be a banger. I'm here. I'm with Evan. What's up? And let's get underway with the conference championship recap. The Bengals beat the Chiefs 27-24. Again, Evan McPherson walking it off. They were down 18 in that game, 21-3 at halftime. They allowed just one field goal in the second half while scoring a lot more. And that was a game winner by Evan McPherson in overtime, like Evan said. And an 18-point comeback is the largest pod, largest fail. Conference championship history. And the 49ers lost to the Rams on the road, pretty much at home. 65% of fans in LA were from San Francisco, but that was 20 to 17. That was a great game. And Jimmy Garoppolo threw an interception in the last minute to seal this fate for the 49ers. And what did you see? for the Bengals that helped them win in that game? Uh, I mean, their defense really stepped up in that second half. As we know, they only scored a field goal. And that's a hard task, shutting down Patrick Mahomes, because we know what happened to the Steelers and the Bills in the overtime game. But anyways, I think the Bengals have a really good chance of beating the Rams. Yeah, I think the Bengals, but that's next, Evan. Oh, I'm so yeah. Sorry. <laughs> 49ers, yeah. What went wrong for the 49ers? I think that last drive. Yeah. Because... And they had a chance to win it. They could have drove down, scored a touchdown, iced the game, but... I have it, one really, it, um... It I have one really, like... I have, like, a, a, a grudge against what, uh... Jimmy G did at the end of that game when he threw that interception. I really think he didn't have to throw that. I think he takes the sack and they go for a shot on a fourth down. Like, that's just like. Here's the thing he had an open guy, and if you take the sack, it's going to be fourth and 28. The odds of converting that are lower than pretty much kicking a field goal from that far. Well, but then you got Debo Samuel. You got well, I mean, you got. I think. I think they could have done it. I think they could have done it. I really don't. <laughs> but for the chief, for the Bengals, went uh, the Chiefs? What went wrong in that second half? I wasn't watching most of the game, but I just think the defense, like for the Chiefs, just didn't really. I mean, the offense too. The offense didn't do anything great. Patrick Mahomes threw an interception in the game, and that overtime period. That really sealed their fate. And um, I think their defense, I don't think their defense stepped up in that second half. Of course, they let up 18 points and, yeah, they went Their defense did not step up. I saw that did not go good for the Chiefs. Their running game in the first half was extremely solid. That they, and then they're like, hey, our running game is great this, uh, this first half. Let's pass the ball 
90% of plays. And Patrick Mahomes threw, like, three interceptions. So I think if they would have kept running the football, they could have scored a couple more touchdowns and perhaps win it. Whenever you say, hey, let's let's start throwing the ball, I think back to the Colts. Yeah. Yeah. But what went right for the Rams in that game? They were down 10 entering the fourth quarter, which is biggest conference championship comeback starting the fourth quarter tied in NFL history. What went right in that fourth quarter? Um, offense. And defense. I mean, we all know they intercepted the ball that sealed the game, but I think the offense, like Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, I mean, those are the kind of guys you expect to step up, and they did, and their defense also complemented that in that game. That's how they came back from that large deficit that they had. I think it was the Rams. They just looked like a good team, an average team in the first half. And then I think it was the play calling. Sean McVay got himself in the game, called some great plays, and he just gave the ball to Cooper Cup, to his running backs, to Matt Stafford, told him, let's get out there and let's go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I agree. Let's move on to the Super Bowl predictions and chances, odds, what not. Here we go. Evan, what is – no, we got the Pro Bowl first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to uh, go over one, if I may. Okay, one thing, if you'll notice, Justin Herbert made the All-Star game. Oh, here we the go. Pro Bowl. But freaking uh, Mr. Good Boy Josh Allen, maybe the best quarterback in the entire league, or at least top three easy, did not. So that's something to think Okay, about. all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Anyways, for the AFC uh, team in the Pro Bowl, Justin Herbert is the starter with uh, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson backing him up. For running back, Jonathan Taylor is the starter, Nick Chubb is the second string, and Najee Harris replaces Joe Mixon for the third string. Tyreek Hill is the uh, starting wide receiver for the AFC, and Deontay Johnson replaces Jamar Chase as a starter. Or I Deontay think Johnson had almost the fewest drops in the entire league. Stefan Diggs behind him and Keenan Allen on last. Mark Andrews is in front of Travis Kelsey for the tight end list. Rashad Slater is the starting offensive tackle with Orlando Brown beside him. For the offensive guards, Quentin Nelson is and Joe, Joel Benito is also in there. For the center, Corey Lindsley from the Chargers is the starter. The fullback is Patrick Ricard. The NFC, if Jack, you want to do the NFC? Uh, yeah. For defense? Offense. Offense, okay. Uh, um, Aaron Rodgers is the starting quarterback. Dalvin Cook running back. Mike Evans and Devontae Adams are both wide receivers. George Kittle is the tight end. Trent Williams, both of those guys are from the, uh, 49ers, Tristan Wolfs, and Zach Martin, Brandon Schoof, Jason Kelsey, and Kyle Juszczyk at fullback. All right. Let's go to the AFC defense here. As 
Let me see here. For the starting defensive end, Miles Garrett and Max Crosby are both starting in that. Interior linemen, DeForest Buckner and Chris Jones. Cameron, Hay- Cameron Hayward uh, will re- is third string there. TJ Watt is the starting outside linebacker, complemented by Joey Bosa. The inside and middle linebacker, Darius Leonard, is that starter. For the cornerbacks, J.C. Jackson and Xavier and Howard are the starters. And one free safety was voted into the Pro Bowl, and that was only Kevin Byard. And the strong safety, Derwin James, is in front of Tyron Matthew for the starter. For the NFC defense, I know that. Hmm. Nick Bosa and Brian Burns are the starting defensive ends. And t- and, uh, let me see here. Vita Vea and Jonathan Allen are the start, the two starting interior linemen. Chandler Jones and Robert Quinn are the two starting outside linebackers. Micah Parsons is the start, starting inside and middle linebacker. Trayvon Diggs is the starting cornerback with Mark. Well, Jalen Ramsey's in the Super Bowl, so it'd be either Darius Slay or Marshawn Lattimore. Free safety, Quandre Diggs is the starter. Strong safety, Buda Baker starts there. And for and, the kicker, oh. Uh, I, I looked it up. Justin Tucker is the kicker for the AFC, and the punter is A.J. Cole. For the NFC, the kicker is Jake Elliott from the Eagles, and the punter is Brian Anger. So that does it for the Pro Bowl. Moving on to the Super Bowl. The Bengals and the Rams. It's in LA. And the so, Rams have a 66.3% chance to win. Funny part is, Bengals are the home team. So. Yeah, even though it's in LA, the Bengals yep. are the home team. So I think the Bengals are going to win this one. And that's all I'm going to say. It's just the Bengals. <laughs> it's the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, the Bengals, I think they have a really good chance just because... Their offense and their defense really complements each other, you know. And I just think yeah. that there's no way they're actually going to stop them. So, okay. I so, think, what's yeah. your prediction for that? I think, I think this time Evan McPherson isn't gonna have isn't gonna have to kick a field goal because uh, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati offense will drive down the field in overtime to score the game-winning touchdown, thirty-four to twenty-eight. Okay, I'm going to say that it's in overtime. Bengals get the ball first, and they kick a field goal to take the lead. They don't win it. They kick a field goal, but then they stop the Rams on a fourth down and win the game. 31-28 to in overtime. All right. All right. On to the NHL All-Star Game. That will be taking place this Saturday? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not this Saturday. NHL guy. I am. This Saturday. And, yeah. So, for the Metropolitan Division, um, hmm, what's this here? Just name the starters and the goalie you can. There is a lot. So I'm just going to name all of them, I guess. Sebastian Ojo from Carolina. 
Oh, no, here it is. Forward, Jake Gunsel. And Gensel. another forward, Jack Hughes. Uh, Chris Kreider. Uh, for defenseman, Adam Pellish. And for just another defenseman, Zach Renskri. As Tristan Jari will be the goalie for the Metropolitan. Hey, go Penguins! Let's go. Let's go. Okay. For the Atlantic Division, Patrice uh, Bergeron from Boston. Jonathan Herberdu from Florida. These are all game. these are all forwards. Dylan Larkin from um, from Detroit. Nick Solsky from Met, the Met, from. Hmm? Oh, I forget that team. <laughs> and uh, Rasmus Bahalin from Buffalo. He's he is the defenseman. And for the Western. And the goalie is Andrew Valesky. Sorry. Okay. Western? What? The Western. That is what I said. No. The Central Division, Kyle O'Connor. Okay. Is the starting the forward. Alex Brincat, the starting forward. Curl Kasbov is the <laughs> another starter. Clayton Keller, Jordan Cairo, Roman Josie, and Kale Macker are the defensemen, and Cam Talbot is the goalie. For the Pacific, the last division. Hmm? It is going to be. The starting goalie is John Gibson from the Ducks. Troy Terry is the forward from the Ducks. John Gadro is a forward from the Flames. Connor McDavid, a forward from the Oilers. Leon Dressidy from the Oilers. And there's a lot of guys. Uh, Alex put... Pietrangelo is a defenseman, and there's a lot more forwards, but that's it. So I'm going to go around and name Pacific Division. Connor McDavid is their captain. For the Central Division, Joe Palski is their captain. Atlantic Division, Austin Matthews is their captain. And then for the Metropolitan Division, Gale Garox is the... No, Khaled Garox is the captain. Now for some of the games from I'll, the NHL. I'll do the standings and we'll move on. All right. So the Panthers are leading the league with a 47-32 and 32 record. And leading, they're also leading the Eastern, but the Avalanche leading the Western with a 42, or 44 and 32 record. And Panthers leading the Atlantic. Hurricanes leading the Metropolitan Division with a 42 and 31 record. And in the Western, no, Jack, 31-32. And the Knights lead the Pacific with a 46 and 27 record. Um, that's not right. That you're 47. All those high numbers are games played. Florida Panthers lead the Eastern oh 32 God. and 10. So Carolina leads the Metropolitan 31 and 9. Western Conference car, 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 the Avalanche lead thirty-two and eight to eight. Vegas Golden Knights for the Pacific twenty-seven and sixteen. There you go. There I go. Okay. Apparently, I'm better at this than you are. Back around, buddy. Anyways, to the NBA. The standings. Jack will go over that because he's better at standings than me. I am better at standings, as you just saw in that beautiful work of art. Yep. For the NHL. Yep. 
But anyways, if it will load for me. It will if it will load for me. For the Eastern Conference, the Chicago Bulls lead at 32 and an 18 record. The Western Conference, the Phoenix Suns lead at 41 and 9. Who oh my shoes? Yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> And, yeah, and okay. we'll go to divisions. Eastern Conference, or no, 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 the Atlantic Division. For the Seventy Sixers lead that thirty-two nineteen. Central Chicago Bulls lead that thirty-two eighteen. Southeast and Miami leads that thirty-two twenty. The Western and Conference, the Western and the Utah Jazz lead thirty to twenty-one. The Phoenix Suns in the Pacific all have a forty-one nine record, and the Grizzlies are thirty-five and eighteen. Leading the Southwest. Alright. NCAA Men's Basketball League. And some interesting games uh, going around a couple of nights ago. Penn State. A couple of nights ago? Couple, I said a couple of nights ago, buddy. Okay, sure. Penn State beat Iowa in double overtime. Ha, 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 ha. 90 to 86 after a highlight reel of a move by, I think, oh, I forget his name. It was like Kenneth Walker by Iowa. One of his guys uh, took up a three-pointer with time expiring, and he uh, volleyballed it into the hoop before time expired. So he got them into overtime. But unfortunately, it didn't pan out for them as Penn State won with John Hara having a career-high 19-point game as they win 90-86. to 86. Jack can go over the standings. I'm ahead. trying. And just, so, there were a couple good games. Almost some upsets, actually. West Virginia barely lost to Baylor both of their games, so. Oh, yeah, I remember seeing that. Hmm. Yeah. All right. All right, keep going. Uh, so, for the AP Top 25, Auburn leads over Gonzaga, UCLA, Purdue, Kentucky, Houston, Arizona, Baylor, Duke, Kansas, Wisconsin, Villanova, Michigan State, Texas Tech, Providence, Ohio State, UConn, Illinois, USC, Iowa State, Xavier, Tennessee, Texas, Marquette, and LSU. And in the coaches' poll, Gonzaga leads over Auburn, Purdue, UCLA, Arizona, Duke, Kentucky, Baylor, Houston, Kansas, Wisconsin, Villanova, Michigan State. Texas Tech, Providence, Ohio State, UConn, Illinois, USC, Tennessee, Texas, Iowa State, Xavier, Marquette, and LSU. That was something to, uh, I was hard to say. In the BPI, for uh, Gonzaga leads over Houston. This is ESPN's BPI. So this is going Gonzaga at number one. And then Houston, Villanova, Kentucky, Purdue, Arizona, Baylor, Auburn, Tennessee, UCLA, Duke, Kansas, LSU, Texas Tech, Illinois, Texas, UConn, Iowa, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan State, Xavier, Mississippi State, Indiana, USC, Wisconsin, Virginia Tech, North Carolina. Okay, I'm at way out of 25 now. And let's put <laughs> it all the way down at 48, and I don't see a Penn State on here. I don't see a West Virginia either, so. Yeah, they're 48, so. <laughs> All right. But anyway, on to the Australian Open. And I know not many people are tennis like me, but I was watching. Hey, look, Penn State's 99. Okay, unnecessary information. 
Uh, very necessary, actually. As we go on to the Australian Open. All right. On day 11, the quad wheelchair singles. Oh, God, I got to click in the names. <laughs> Sam Schroeder from the Netherlands beat. Which is this? Men's doubles? No, men's wheelchair singles. That's a thing? Yes. What? Schroeder beat Alcott in two sets, seven, six. And that's a final. I'm going to go over all the finals. In mixed doubles, uh, Dog and Makalevic. Jesus. And Kluber and Fortalis. <laughs> uh, both won, had two matches and won them both. Had two matches, won them both. Three, six, and six, four. Four. And that's all the fine. Oh, no, this this is day 12. And for the juniors girl doubles, Nangokwik and Schneider beat Cross and Mabako 6-4, 6-3 in two sets. And the juniors boy doubles, Kazara and Wong beat Mike Lizen and Valco 6-3 and 7-6 in two sets. On to day 13, in the junior girls singles, Maracano beat Kostelitz 7-5-6-1 in two sets. And juniors sing boys singles, Caraza and Mensik beat, yeah, beat him in three sets, 7-6. And Mensik won the second one, 7-6. And then Kazara beat him in the third set, 7-5. For the women's singles, Barty... Beat Collins six to three and seven to six in two sets. Men's doubles Carcarisinus and Kygros beat Eben and Purcell seven five and six four. And on day fourteen Oh Jesus Christ. Kajak your uh Voya and Signor Vovia Vo uh, Voya beat Dinala and uh Hadid meet Maya uh, they the second team won seven six in the first set, and um, set, the first team went on to win the next two six four six four. And for the men's singles, uh, Roger Nadell beat uh, Medevdev. Medevdev. <laughs> I've been training to say that name all weekend because I saw this match and it took five hours and twenty four minutes. Med, uh, the Russian went. Uh, Medev, Dev, yeah. Medev, Dev. <laughs> the Russian went on to take two sets in the start, but uh, Nadell came back and won the last three, winning his second uh, men's singles Australian Open. And who did he beat again? Nadev, Dev. Medvedev. Moving on to Jack's uh, MLB lockout updates. Yay! That's me. Yeah, it's him. Yeah, that is me. All right. Okay. So if you listen to the last episode, you know what it is. And so we got. Uh, so the MLB just can't play. They can't do spring training. They can't do anything because of the agreement that states the rules. They cannot sign a new one. The MOBPA and just the MOB cannot agree on any rules. And so the MOB season, or at least spring training, 
is not likely to start on time. On Tuesday, these two teams met. Tuesday, February 1st, these two teams met. Uh, the two sides met for a meeting, but they got virtually nowhere. And so we are about at the same place where we were a couple of weeks ago, maybe a little bit further than last week. Which basically means, oh no, the MLB season starts in uh, like three weeks, or spring training starts in like three weeks. What will we do? Because the teams and players, the coaches, anyone associated with MLB is prohibited with talking from anybody else with MLB. Example, players cannot talk with owners, coaches cannot talk with other coaches, they cannot trade, they cannot do free agents, there are no contracts. The entire league has come to a dead stop until the, t- the side can find a way to agree to, with each other and get the league back up and rolling. But on Tuesday, that didn't happen. So we're in for a ride, and MLB fans are hoping that the league can get up and running by the end of spring training so that the MLB season can start on time and their favorite players can get ready and find a team. Free agency is going to be wild if it, you know, starts just a little bit before the season. You know, teams trying to find players, players trying to find teams. It's going to be crazy. And that's all I have for the MLB lockout update. Now, news on the Tom Brady retirement and his legacy in the NFL. As we all know, Adam Schefter reported, um... And just about a week ago, maybe a little bit less than a week ago, that Tom Brady was set to retire. This turned out to be false, but then just a couple of days later, he... No, actually, just just yesterday, he came out on his Instagram and said he is officially retired from the league, and as we know... 22 seasons, two of them with the Buccaneers, and 20 with the Patriots. Seven Super Bowls. The most a single team has is six. And he is the only player to win a Super Bowl in three different decades of time. That's just crazy. I mean, he had such a great legacy. And, I mean, we're all going to remember him for, for days and days to come. Months and it, months. Many years and years, decades and decades, centuries and centuries. I mean, he's probably... In simple terms, he is the GOAT, the greatest of all time, the greatest to ever step on a football field, and likely the greatest that ever will. Yeah. So let's go over his legacy. He and was as we the know- 199th overall pick in the draft, which means no one had high hopes for this kid. This guy's coming out, it's a slow kid coming out of Michigan. Slow kid coming out of Michigan. Anyways. They didn't have any glory years with any, uh, uh, you know, national championships. His, you know, his 40-yard dash time is 5.28 seconds. Not very fast. <laughs> like, extremely slow, so. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tom Brady, seven Super Bowls, it's crazy. Three MVPs. I mean, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see, that's a, a pretty crazy. He leads the NFL in passing touchdowns, yards, and pretty much every stat that you can ever think of. A quarterback. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. You can think of that is related to a quarterback. He's hot. He has it. He he. Yeah. Tell. He has it. Let's see. I have the accolades pulled up here. On this is gonna take me a minute to run through on Wikipedia. Seven-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Super Bowl MVP, which is the all-time record, and seven-time Super Bowl champion is also the all-time record. Three times NFL MVP, two times NFL Offensive Player of the Year, the NFL Comeback Player of the Year in 2009, three times First Team All Pro, three times Second Team All Pro. 15-time Pro Bowl selection in his 22 years, which is the all-time record most Pro Bowl selection. 2000s All-Decade Team, 2010s All-Decade Team, NFL 100th Anniversary All-Time Team, 2007 Burt Bell Award, which is the Player of the Year, pretty much. So let me see that. So that's one. Yeah, he did win. Michigan Wolverines did win one. National Championship in 1997. In the media, he has been the two-time Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year, 2007 Associated Press Male Athlete of the Year, five times ESPY Award winner, 2021 Best Male Athlete, three times Best NFL Player, 2021 Outstanding Team with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and 2021 Time Top 100, Time 100. (sighs) Okay. So that's about one, two, three, four. About a million of them. A lot of them. Okay. We get it. He's probably the best player to ever step foot on a football field. Not probably he is. Yeah. Uh, Let's go on to Evan. You have my F1 story. Let's go. After that, we just got a little bit more. We got... uh, Some breaking news, which is going to be about the Washington football team changing their name to the Commanders, and Q&A if there is any on sports. So, Evan, you can go to your F1 story on racing, and let's go ahead. I'm trying to do one thing. You can actually go over the uh, football team, because I'm trying to do something. Okay, well, I guess, so this morning on February 2nd at 8... 15 approximately a.m., the Washington football team announced their new team name on the Today Show on NBC. Um, they, in July 2020, they had to stop, they had to change their old name, and I don't know why it takes a year and a half to change your name. I mean, the Cleveland Indians did it in about four minutes, and to my knowledge. And then got to- that's what I said. Right? Anyways, they changed it to the Commanders, and they completely botched the new name reveal. They gave away so many clues. Just last night, they, the night before the reveal, someone saw a Commander sign hanging inside the team's store in the stadium. They, Joe Theismann released it a couple days ago, pretty much on the on a podcast, and a, and a couple of weeks ago, when Washington was giving out teasers, they accidentally forgot to blow out one of the uh, logos, 
for the Washington Commandos. And now here they are. The actual Commandos. They have some really cool jerseys. I like them a lot. They have new black ones, which fans have been wanting for years, but this is the first time they have. Got them. You know, and it's just going to... I think this is not just a new rebranding, but it could also be a new chapter for this franchise. Yep. Okay, so let's get on to our... F1 story of the week. Go ahead, Evan. F1 story of the week, ladies and gentlemen. As most of us that follow F1, we have heard that Singapore is remaining in F1 until 2028. As we all know that follow F1, they... Did not have a race this year because of COVID protocols. I know, it's a great track. Formula One has signed a seven-year deal to keep the Singapore Grand Prix on its schedule until 2028. The street circuit debuted its first ever F1 first night race in 2008 and has become a high-profile event on the calendar ever since. And again, the race was canceled in 2020 and 2021 due to the COVID-19 pandemic, but is set to return in 2022 with the new cars. The F1 CEO, Stefano De Milinci, said the Marina Bay Circuit hosted the first night race in F1 history, and Singapore has continued to throw fans, teams, and drivers ever since. He said he's delighted that Formula 1 will continue to race in Singapore for another seven years. He also said Singapore holds a special place on the F1 calendar, and this extension is part of our long-term commitment to grow the sport in Asia. The, the plans that are in place to reduce the carbon footprint of the event are impressive and align with our new plans to be net zero carbon by as a sport by 2030. I look forward to continuing uh, our successful relationship with the Singapore Grand Prix and the Singapore Tourism Board as Formula One returns to this incredible uh, city. The contract announcement included the details of how the race promoters intend to uh, make the flood lit even more sustainable, including switching to renewable energy sources and increasing recycling efforts. Mr. S. Iwerden, Singapore's Minister for Transport and Minister in Charge of Trade Relations, said the extension of the deal was key to the tourism of the, in the country. Even as we deal with the immediate challenges of the pandemic, it is important that we focus on recovery and long, long-term growth. The Singapore F1 race continues to be a strong focal point for tourists, global events, and businesses Businesses meetings. We have decided to continue hosting the F1 race for another seven years after thoroughly evaluating the long-term benefits that a term extension could bring to Singapore. The renewal will help sustain Singapore's relation, reputation as a global city with a vibrant lifestyle, attracting international visitors as travel rebounds and generating businesses, revenue, and jobs for Singaporeans, we will ensure that this year's and future races as large-scale international sporting events are COVID-safe. Informed by prevailing pandemic situation of public health assessment, there is a speculation in recent years that location of the certain might move away from Marina Bay. But no one mention was made of it in the announcement. However, plan, de- plan develops around the float at Marina Bay, a large grandstand overlooking the bay that offers a viewpoint of a short stretch of the current layout. Could mean there are tweaks to the circuit in future. That's it.
Okay. Now if you have one other person on, truly wise, you should probably go check them out. But uh, we have Q&A now, but one rule has to be about sports. So if you have any questions, we got it here. And if you don't want to, we can finish it now. That's okay, too. <laughs> okay, so uh, the NFL Conference Championship, the Pro Bowl, the Super Bowl, the NHL All-Star Games, MLB, uh, NBA, NCAA Men's Basketball, Australian Open, MLB Lockout, the Tom Brady Retirement, Evans F1, the Washington Commanders, that is our overview for today's episode. Anything you'd like to add, Evan? Nope. Let's go Bengals. Let's go AFC. Who day in the jungle. So I'm going to play this music again to send you out. Thank you, everyone. Adam. This is Jack.